let's close our eyes. Put your hands up. Just be comfortable. Holy Spirit, fill each and every one of these, your people tonight. Lord, fill them with your spirit. Lord, reveal your presence to them. As Moses said, unless your presence goes, then I'm not going to go. Lord, let your presence be in each life here tonight and let a flow of the Holy Ghost be in their life from this moment on every hour of the day. In this church, let the gifts of the Spirit be released tonight to function and to flow in every single service. As the word came from the congregation, you used the congregation member, you used another one. Lord, let it be this way every time we come together, that you would use people to speak the word of the Lord prophetically, that you would bring a tongue, that you'd bring a word of wisdom, that you'd bring a word of knowledge, that you'd flow, Lord, in the gifts of healing, that you would move here by your spirit is my prayer tonight and that you would do it every single service from this point on in the name of Jesus and everybody said say I got it say I got it I got it I want to tell you you're not going to get it you hot dog I got it you're not going to get it unless you keep saying I got it somebody say I got it Uh, bravery and faith is one of the things that God wants every one of us to have Bravery and faith, boldness. Let me say boldness. Said the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. Until you know that you are part of the righteous, you will never be bold. You need to know who you are and you need to forgive yourself. Let me tell you, I give you a little secret and thank you for all of that. I give you a little secret. I was the most blunder, blunderous guy you ever I mean I would commit blunder after blunder after blunder after blunder in my life I didn't try to I just did I was just a a wreck going someplace to wreck and I mean I did this and I did that and it started when I was a younger younger kid and I was you know an angry person and it continued all the way through my life till I got saved even into the salvation time but I was a wreck and one day I was just ready to just give up on somebody. I said, I have worked on them so hard. I've prayed for them so hard, God. I tried so hard to get them really to walk with you. I got them saved, but they stopped growing. And that really, really hurts me when people quit growing. I take it personal when I help people and they just decide to quit. And most Christians, almost every Christian, someday gets to a point where they don't care if they grow anymore. They think they've kind of arrived I'm good enough. And they say this, I'm so much better than I used to be. I've got such a greater handle on my marriage and my life than I've ever had. And what you're saying is I'm done. I'm not going to grow anymore. And so I would get, I got upset. And then God spoke to me and he said, I never gave up on you. Every time you failed, I never quit. And then he reminded me every person that he sent in my life, I sent you him. I sent you her, I sent you them, I did this for you, I did that before I was saved. And he said, and that's why you're here today. And he said, don't ever give up on anybody. Never give up on anybody. I did defrock a preacher. Now the reason your pastor submitted is because he knew that I would do what I said. And when your children know that you will do what you say, they will mind you. You need to understand that. But they measure you. They measure your willingness to do what you're saying that you're going to do to them. 
and they measure you and they say, I won't mess with you, but I'll mess with them. I won't oh, disobey you, but I'll disobey that person because they know they can. You have to be a person. You have to be a, a child of God that says, I am going to follow through on what I say. And then you be careful what you say. Because most people give this incredibly horrible punishment. If you don't eat the, your dinner, this is what you're, you're going you're gonna to lose sweets for the next month. How can a kid lose sweets for the next month? But, you know, they never come through with it. The next day they're giving them a Tootsie Roll because they feel sorry. You keep doing that in life and nobody will ever be helped by you. Give, give a discipline or even a punishment, if that's what you're doing, that fits the case, that is the same as the crime. Think about it before you say something to your children and think about it before you say something to your friends and to the people that God's called you to minister to. Never give up on anybody. God, and he said, I, God told me, he said, I've never given up on any. And I don't want you to ever give up. You always be the one of another chance. And so I thank God that I have gotten another chance on many occasions. And I will even again tonight. But I want to tell you, don't you want to be that person that doesn't quit on people? Don't you want to walk in the love of God? And he, he will stretch you. He will, he will stretch you beyond what you ever thought you could do. Pastor James said, hey, I'm going to serve God. And he has. And that broke him. He came to me and he, he told me later, and I'm not sure I ever shared that with, with James. Yeah, he, they, he, he loves James. They thought James was the greatest guy ever. They said, that guy is so anointed. He's got so much ability. He's got so much promise. And I couldn't ever get him to fulfill very little of it. And I finally just, he just wore me out because he was heard about this or heard about that or that bothered him or this bothered him. And it knocked him almost out of the race. And we had to bring him back. And he said, what did you do? To James Willoughby because he is a champion for God and and you deserve all the credit I said I didn't train him you trained him Dr. Evans you raised him up you trained him up but you didn't have the patience to stick with him until he was ready to really grow up and he never gave him the word like I did and of course James saw the the moving of the Spirit of God in our ministry and had great respect for me for that reason and, he, and we were on the same level playing field when we started you can raise people up, you can teach people, you can bless people. Dr. Barkley told me, out of all the preachers in the world, you know how to raise people up better than any. And you know what it is? I don't give up on people. Everybody else would have quit on that person or that person or this guy or that lady. I'm not gonna quit on anybody. I don't quit on my own kids. I don't quit on your kids. I'm not gonna quit on anybody. Jesus will never quit on anybody. Are you ready? Are you really ready? How come you're not telling me you're ready? Ready, ready, ready? All right. My wife changed my message. Yeah, you did. I don't know what you did, but I got it now. Hallelujah. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. People don't even know what the wiles of the devil are. The wiles, the word wiles means strategy. Satan has developed a strategy against you because he listens to what you say and he watches what you do. He has, well, I got three people that are listening. He, he develops a strategy. What is his strategy? Just needs to say one thing to trigger you 
and you completely lose everything that God just has put in you for the last six weeks? Are you, is there something back there that I need help with? You were going like that, what, what was, oh, <laughs> she does stuff like that and she, she'll come up and fix me while I'm in the middle of preaching. So he's got, a, he's got a strategy. Use your wife against you. You <laughs> do whatever he can do. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I mean, I've seen Heather dash out of the side and grab my pants and start tucking my shirt in while I'm preaching. I say, you can't do that, Zane. A woman cannot stick her hand down a man's pants in front of an audience. So that is just not right. But it happened at my church and my people know her and they just know she's going to control the situation, whatever it might be. She is the head controller. <laughs> be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why would God say this to us? Because more than not, we're not strong. We're weak. Whoa. Be strong in the Lord. You have to choose to be strong. Yes. You have to understand that it's your choice every day to be strong. When you choose to be strong, that's the first step to being strong. Choose to be strong. Choose not to be weak. Choose not to be a war out warrior. Choose to quit being a whiner and start being a winner. Choose to quit being a warrior and change yourself into a warrior because you have all the divine enablements to do so and they come by the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, Holy Spirit. It's not your strength, it's God's strength. To be strong in the power of the Lord, the poor power is dunamis or it's It's force that overcomes immediate resistance. He's, this word is exousia. It means might, force, and ability. It's ability, power, strength, the, to the extent of one's ability. The Weymouth translation said, in conclusion, strengthen yourself in the Lord and in the power which his supreme might imparts. He imparts to us power. Somebody say power. power. He said, be strong in the Lord, be powerful in the Lord, live in the strength of God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He's talking about the dunamis, the dynamite. God's word translation says, finally receive your power from the Lord and from his mighty strength. The good news translation says it this way, build up your strength in union with the Lord, notice in union, and by the means of his mighty power. God gave man the highest level of life. He made him in his own image in Genesis chapter 126 and he gave him dominion over the works of his hands and over creation. And he said, here's the world, now you go subdue it. It's up to you, each and every one of us, to subdue the world under us. And the first way we do that, Pete, is we say, I know my position in this life. I am ruling and reigning with Christ Jesus. He said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that he raised you up in heavenly places. That's your spiritual life. You need to live out of your spirit, not out of your soul, not out of your flesh. Your soul is speaking to you and telling you to do things that aren't necessarily always wrong, but I want to tell you, it'll never be God's best to live out of your soul. You know, there used to be a couple of guys and they used to have this song and they sing it. I'm a soul man. No, 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 no. I'm a soul man. You remember the Blues Brothers? What a great name for soul men, blues. They got the blues all the time, 24 hours a day. I'm a soul man. Soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. But God gave you a higher life, your spirit. Your spirit is to be king inside of you. Your spirit is to rule you, not your flesh. If somebody can say something to you that just devastates you, you're going to be devastated until you finally decide to not receive 
devastation. I'm going to not allow that to affect me. I will not allow that to hurt me. I will not allow that to move me. I will not allow that to bring me down. I am not going to be brought down by anything on this earth or, or in the spirit. I am the child of God and God put me above. Somebody say I'm above. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. The head's where the sweet tasting stuff goes in and the tail's where the stinky stuff comes out. I'm glad I'm the head and not the tail. Come on, somebody. I mean, when you, get, when you, when you start smelling stinky, it's because you're being the tail, not the head. And you're a soul man or a soul woman. But you got to decide that I am where God put me. And he put me above creation. Creation, you serve me. Creation, you obey me. Creation, you will do what I say because I have the promises of God. Somebody say the promises of God. He says that he's given you exceedingly. Second Peter 1 verse 3. He's given you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. And it says, by the somebody say by the power. He's given you these great and precious promises that through these you become a partaker of his divine nature. If you don't go find out what the promises of God are and stand in the promises of God, you will never subdue your world. What are the promises of God? You have got to ferret that out in the word of God. You have got to go study. You have got to go find out. You have got to believe them for yourself. Don't wait for your preachers to believe them for you. They can't. You must decide that you're going to live in the power of his might. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you, then you subdue the world underneath you. You take your position. And listen, it doesn't happen overnight. This is a lifetime experience of you constantly putting the word to work in your life, not accepting what the world gives you or other people, and not listening and letting anybody, you're not going to determine my joy level. I refuse to let any small people make me small. I am not small. I am large and I am powerful because God is in me and he has set me on top. Come on, somebody. He put my feet on a mountaintop and he said, this is where you belong next to me. He didn't call you to failure. He didn't call you to lose. He called you a winner and he called you to win. He gave you his anointing, his ability. He gave you his strength. He said, now, he said, live in the power. Live in the power of my might. He gave you the opportunity to do so. But you have to find out what he said for you. He gave you these abilities. He gave you these strengths. He put you on top. He blessed you. He gave you dominion. He said, subdue the world under you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. Far above all authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named in this age and also in the one to come. And he's put everything under his feet, made him the head over everything to the church, which is body, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It says in the New Living Translation, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and gave him to be the head over all things. He said in God's word translation that God has everything under the control of Christ. He has made Christ the head of everything to the good of the church. There are things that were lost and there are things that have been restored. They were evicted from the garden. Somebody say evicted. Are you still out of the garden? Have you, have you, do you got flaming angels, angels with flaming swords at the gateway so you can't get into the presence of God? And really God doesn't do that anymore. I'm just using it allegorically. 
But do you understand that they were kicked out because they listened to the soul that God gave them rather than to the spirit he gave them. And they followed their soul. They were soul men. They felt like, she said, she said, what, you know, hey, yeah, that's right. Why did God do that? They questioned God. You know what that was? That was thought life. That was thinking. Somebody say stinking thinking. They lost the presence of God. Did you know that they didn't have to work? That God's will was not that they had to work, but that they had to tend. So they, they did work in the garden, but it wasn't call work. It was very light. God said the garden will provide for you. That's God's plan. That the earth will provide for you. That you're not going to have to go through the sweat of your brow. That was part of the curse. Sweat of your brow have to make a living. Have to put your job first because you've got to pay your bills. I got to go to work. I can't be in God's house because I got to pay my mortgage. I got to pay my car payment. Man, Timmy's got to pay that beautiful truck payment. I saw that truck and I said, that needs, I said, that needs to be my truck. Hallelujah. I like that white truck. You got to pay your car payment. You got to pay your gas and electric. You got to do all this. You got to buy groceries. Anybody bought groceries lately? We spend over $1,000 a week on groceries in our house because we buy for eight people. And it costs a lot of money to feed people. We're not even eating caviar. We're just eating hamburgers. Somebody say hamburgers. I mean, we're all right. You could tell I'm not starved. But I want to tell you, if you get gripped with this world, it owns you. I got to work. I got to go to work. God said, if you don't work, you don't eat. He's talking to people that are unwilling to labor at anything. He's not telling you, let work own your whole life. Some of you all, I love you. I'll tell you that big mistake we make. We're tired, maybe we're attacked with something, a little bit light, but we stay home from church to rest, but we make sure we're at work on Monday morning because work is Lord. I mean, Jesus is Lord. The almighty dollar, all these things, and you, and, and you don't think and you won't admit that you're owned by the world, but really, you can love God and walk with God. And we have all these stresses. I have them too. We've all got them. But you have to see God in everything. You have to, and you have to tell yourself, look at me. I'm compromising right now, but I'll be at work tomorrow for the almighty dollar. I'm taking a day off of God. And I only get three times a week to spend with him in, in, in his house. Do you know what he said? He said they continued in the apostles' doctrine, which was the breaking of bread and the meeting house to house preaching the word. They were having fellowship. The word fellowship, that was the apostle's doctrine, was having all things in common. Do you understand that we strengthen one another? That you, when you're in this house, we minister one to another? As it was said about me, I'm always ministering, but so are you. You minister one to another. Your pastor doesn't know the half of what's going on in your life, but all your friends do. I want to tell you how we minister one to another, how we just love to be together and how we strengthen each other and empower each other by being together. The fellowship of God's people is the major doctrine in the New Testament church, that we would fellowship together, that we would hear the word, that we would break bread together, that we could, we could have some of that good Wisconsin cooking and we could enjoy everybody's life. We could enjoy everything that everybody else is going through. It strengthens everybody to be with people. And that was one of God's things. But today, if you can get people to fellowship, you're doing really good. 
There's so many different cliques in most churches. If you're in this church and you want fellowship with somebody else in this church, you are not walking with God the right way. If, it, if it's an intellect level, if it's a financial level, if it's a color level, you are wrong. I've gotten more things coming out of these women in the front row. And if I'd listen to them, I'd have to be preaching their message. She used to write it in a card. Now she just says it out loud while I preach. It's amazing to see living in the power of the Lord's might. I'm asking God to make me strong. I'm choosing to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. They were kicked out of the garden. They lost that. But then it was restored through Christ. We have God's presence, his spirit. We have dominion and power. We, we've been given dominion and power. It says in Luke chapter 10, 1 says in Matthew chapter 9, it says in Luke 10, 17, that the 70 elders, he didn't just give it to the 12, he gave it to the 70 elders. Yeah. He said, Lord, we're so excited. We, we, we cast out demons in your name. And Jesus told him, don't be so happy about casting out demons, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. They found out they had the same authority and power that Jesus had. Jesus said he would make you fishers of men. I've sit around on boats. I learned how to fish as a young man. And I'm a pretty good fisherman. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, catching these white bass like Peter likes. He took me out and caught me some white bass that wasn't any good fishing that day. I'm talking about two, three hundred pound fish. I mean, when you hook into one of those things, it's like you got a Volkswagen on the other end of your line. I want everybody to enjoy that if you like to fish. I want to bring you. And you go out there and fish, and these guys are all whining on the boat. I said, I'm an old man. I am 50. These guys are all, you know, 20, 19. Then there's some other people that are old. They can't catch a fish. They said, you got to use 20-pound line. 20-pound line's pretty heavy for you, isn't it, Pete? But that's like light line on the ocean. That's like less little. I said, you can't catch a, you got to go to 20. No, you don't got to go down to 20. I walked over and grabbed my, my reel. You ever seen those big gold ones? has 140-pound test. has a hook about that big. I reached in the live bait one, got a, the biggest bait. It was a mackerel. It was about like huge. We call them salamis. And they said, you'll never catch anything with that. I said, oh, put the hook through his nostrils. Go backwards, because you can't cast those reels. It goes out about 40 feet, three times past where their 20-pound test landed because they can't cast. It hits the water. Pin to the rail. Turn my reel sideways. Click, click. Put it in, in low gear. Winch that puppy. Gaff! They ran over where they got. They said, man, this is hot. That means you need to let that fight some more. Uh-uh. I don't want to fight that devil any longer than I have to. <laughs> Throw the fish on the deck and everybody's, wow, that's a 200-pound fish. I said, by an old man in less than a minute. So quit your whining and get your heavy gear. Get your heavy gear. Your pastor's caught fish like that. He knows how big they are, and they're not easy to pull in after you hook them. you got to learn. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. What it means is he's going to teach you how to fish for men. You don't automatically know. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't know how it's going to happen. 
But if you're willing to let God work in your life, he will make you a fisher of men. He will make you a father. He will make you a husband. He will make you an elder. He will make you a minister. He will make you a woman of God. He will make you a handmaid. He will make you. He will make your life if you will let him. He wants you to live in the power of his might. Through Christ, his presence was restored, dominion and authority. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, behold, I give you power. He said to live by power, to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over, where, over all the power of the enemy. Can I give you the rest of it? It's going to hurt some of you. It's supposed to bless you. Okay? Can I give you the rest? Nothing by any means shall hurt you. Wait, nothing shall hurt me? No, you little whiner. You little sniveler. I'm hurt. That hurt me when you said that. I saw the way you looked at me. That really hurt me. Derek, you really hurt me. Derek didn't know that I met the guy at Starbucks yesterday. And he was, he was effeminate. And, and we had a coffee and he said, thank you. And, and uh, we just looked at him, drove away. So Derek came today. I told him, if you wear that suit like that, being thin like you are, and you know, real tight suit, I said, if you go to California, there's a lot of guys who are going to follow you around. Yeah. It scared him. He goes, really? I said, I'm not joking about that, Derek. And, he, and you tell, he took it to heart. I said, that's not bad. I like the way you look. But they do too. And so, and so, and so just, you know, I love Derek. I've been knowing Derek for a long time. So, so he pulls up today with a coffee. And he, and he gives it to me. He goes, Pastor Johnson. Yeah? He said, you are like prophetic talking about that. He said, there's a guy that was looking me up and down. And I said, really? And I said, he's this and this, and he's got a ring in his nose. How do you know what a prophet of God you are? You knew that. And I even told him what skin color he had and how he talked and a ring in his nose. I just got a coffee from him yesterday. And I wasn't even by the spirit. I just took a chance as soon as he gave it to me. As soon as he gave it to me, I said, he have a ring in his eye? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Derek was like blown away, man. Listen, he said, that gift is great in you. I said, well, hallelujah. I said, I met him yesterday at Starbucks. He goes, ah, oh, man, how did, how did you know? I don't know how I knew it. I knew it was the same guy. And uh, it's given Derek a hard time. But I want to tell you about the legitimate gifts. The legitimate gifts. Where God shows people things. God shows them things by the Spirit. And he says things. I saw Satan one night. Only time I've ever seen him. There's three spirits. There's human. There's hellish. And there's the best, holy. And so one night I was sleeping. I, was, I didn't know I was agitated about something. And I, I, I was in, a, I got a dream, I had a dream. And I was behind these bushes. It was a shrub bush, you know, just over my head. And I was standing there and all of a sudden, two hands came out and parted the bush. And this little head stuck in right through and looked at me, ha, like that. I said, is that him? And God said, this is him. I said, you little snake, you're the one that's caused all this trouble? You little wimp, what, a, what am I done to have to be scared of you all my life? You have no power, look at you. Look like a cartoon character with a big long nose. 
Man, I'm not scared of that guy. And then I read a, I'd read a verse that said, is this the man? Is this the man who has put a hook in the nose of the world? Is this the man? Somebody say, is this the man? And I, that, it came to me and I heard God saying it. He has no power over you. You have been set free. Then he said, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. In Matthew chapter 10, 1, he called his disciples together. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. At the ascension, in Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you and that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Jesus just said he has given his power to us. He gave his power to the 12. He gave his power the, the, in chapter 10 of Luke to the 70, 70 others, which were, were typologically the elders that Moses raised up. He did it in the New Testament with 70 others. And then he told us, I'm giving my authority to you. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, and he has received a name that's above every name, to whom every knee should bow in heaven, in earth, and then under earth. He, this name is above every single name. He has given us the power to use his name. Every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess. But if you don't use it and you don't put a demand on life with it, you won't have that dominion and authority working in your life. He called you to live in the power of the Lord and the power of his might. He didn't call you to be weak. He didn't call you to be hurt. He didn't call you to be discouraged. He didn't call you to be poor. He didn't call you to be downtrodden. He didn't call you to be people of no estate. He called you to be at the top level of life. He wants you to live at the top level of life and subdue everything under you. You need to live in the power of the Lord and the power of his might, but it takes a great choice. You know, he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is the spirit of God that's in you than the, than the spirit of the world or anything of the world. In, in Luke chapter four, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because. The spirit of the Lord is on me because. The spirit of the Lord is on me because. He has called me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free, to open prison doors, to bring sight to the blind and to set those free that have been bruised. He wants you to understand that you are called to set people free. You are called to bring sight back to them. You are called to get them delivered of whatever it is. I got a guy, best drummer in the area. I mean, this guy can drum. My friend, Kurt. I saw him after I got saved and I realized he wasn't saved. I need to, I need to, I need to pray for you, Kurt. He goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm walking with God. What? Not you. Oh, yeah. He said, he, he couldn't have got you, did he? I said, he got, he's talking about God. God, yeah, I said, he got me. He worked on me. He finally got me. And I said, now he's going to get you. Oh, no. He said, everybody I've been talking to recently is a Christian now. He said, why do they keep coming into my life? I said, because you're going to get saved, my friend. And so I said, come on, let's talk, Keith. I led him to the Lord. I prayed with him and I said, I'll be over your house tomorrow, 8 a.m. I came and he was still sleeping in bed. Man, I beat on his door. He didn't answer. I went around. Listen, I hopped his fence. 
I went around to his bedroom. Bam, 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 bam on the window. I said, get up. We're going to God's house. Hallelujah. I went two hours early because I knew he was going to do that. Stays up all night drumming at, drumming at different parties. So he said, oh, man, I'm tired. I didn't go to bed till three. I said, that's all right. We still got an hour. You can get a shower and get your clothes on. And we brought him to church. I brought him to church, and I discipled him every day, taught him the word. I mean, I was working hard on him, and he was getting on fire for God. He was doing good. We would stand up. We would worship God in the front. Just We would get jiggy for Jesus. Hallelujah. We would worship God. We love God. We thank God. Nobody else would do it. I thought everybody behind us was doing it. But they were looking at us like, what are you doing? Man, I'm here to worship God. How about y'all? Come on, somebody. I'm not worried about shaming you. I'm not worried about shame. I'm, I'm concerned about shaming God. This is God's house. And so this guy came over. I was only saved for a little while, so you've got to forgive me. This guy, this guy got a hold of Kurt after about a month. And I said, where are you, Kurt? Come on, we're going to church. He goes, I can't go because I feel so ashamed. I said, why? He said, I was, I was doing some lines, smoking some joints, but doing some lines. I said, what the heck? You haven't done anything like that in a month. You're free, brother. You're free. I said, what happened to you? Well, he said, I have a friend. He's a security guard at the high school. And he works the back gate. And he said, I drove through there. He said, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a long time. And he said, it wasn't five minutes. And he said, I was doing lines because he told me this. He said, Jesus says it's fine to do cocaine because he created it. And he made it for our blessing and for our use. And he, he twisted a few scriptures. He opened the Bible and gave him verse after verse why it was just all right. And you are under bondage. You are under bondage with whoever you're going to church with. And, uh, and, and Kurt said, G Jesus said it's fine. We just need to praise the Lord for everything. And so I'm praising the Lord for this cocaine. And he said, and, you know, I, I just feel ashamed to go to church. I said, who? I said, I remember that guy. I think I used to know that guy. So I went back there the next day without Kurt, without Keith, without Kurt. And I went up. I said, hey, you remember me? He said, yeah. I said, do you remember what I used to do to people that messed around with my stuff? He said, yeah. I said, you're going to be that guy. I'm coming back for you. If I have to come back for you and take you out, I will take you out. I did not lose my manliness because I became a Christian. You better know this. I'm going to beat you like a drum, and then I'm going to ask God to forgive me, and he will. I said, don't you ever give my disciples drugs. Do you hear me? And he was, sh he was shivering. He had a gun, but he was shivering. I didn't have a gun. He was shivering. And I said, what happened, Kurt? He goes, that guy won't even talk to me anymore. And he said, I heard what you did to him. He told me. He's, he's scared of you. I said, well, he better be fearful of God in a good way. Man, you got to stand up for people. And yeah, God didn't tell me to do that. I know that. I'm not even going to blame that on God. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to protect what belongs to God. I'm a protector. I'm not going to let the devil walk on people. And I don't do it that way anymore. I, 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 I have. I have called a few people in my office. Do you remember that time? Guy was sleeping with the girls in the church and I said, you better not do that again. Oh, you better not do that again, my friend. 
I told him not to do it. Guess what he did? He did it. And the girl told me with a letter, she is leaving the church. She said, I'm so ashamed, Pastor. I can't look you in the eye. And I said, I told that guy he couldn't date. I demanded, you're not allowed to date in my church. He wasn't dating. He was going beyond that. So he's a big, huge guy. You know, I said, come on in, Mom. I need to talk to you. And I rolled my sleeves up. I had a white shirt on. Rolled my sleeves up while I was talking to him. I said, stand at the door. I had three ushers. Don't let him out. And I stood up from behind my desk and I said, I'm going to teach you what a real man does. And I started buckling down my... I said, I'm going to beat you like a drum. You don't mess around with women here. You don't listen to me. I give you three times I spoke to you and you didn't listen to the thing I said. I guess you thought I was just going to let you get away with this. You cost a woman disciple from going to my church that I have ministered to for three years. I love her. She's a good woman. And she's so ashamed she can't look at me in the eye because of what she did with you. And you're not going to get away with it. And I said, are you ready? You want to find out what a real man's like? And so he was telling me, oh, pastor, won't he, I'm not scared of pastor. He was, I don't want you to be scared of me. I want you to love me. I love you. He was telling all the people that. Whoa, I said, watch what he does when I start rolling my sleeves. I've told my ushers. I said, he will literally start crying like a baby. And if he doesn't, I'm going to make him cry. I didn't even get the second sleeve rolled up. Oh, please don't hurt me. He said, I didn't mean that at all. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I do what I do. I said, get out the door and don't ever let me see you again. I don't ever want to see you again. See ya. I didn't quit on him. I just told him to get on me. Hallelujah. Don't quit. Get. Get out of here. You're not going to do that to other women in the church. I'm protecting people. Somebody say protecting. But I don't do things like that anymore. I probably couldn't do things like that anymore, but I've learned a long time ago. But I'm, I'm a protector. God's making me. He's teaching. He's taught me along the way, every, every inch of the way, how to do things the right way, the God way, how to love people, how to care for people, but how to live in the power. He said to live in the power of his might. Pastor James knew the word. He knows the word. He came to me because he said, you're the only guy out of hundreds of students here that has any faith. He said, you're a faith man. And he said, will you teach me faith and how to believe God? He said, will you help me? I said, well, yeah, I love to help you. You're a student one year older than me and everybody respects you and loves you. He was uh, anointed. He was prophetic. He understood the word. You know, he was in the core group of the top most popular people. And everybody, you know, wanted to be around him. And I said, of course, I'll help you. And he drew to me because I was not going to put up with the devil running my life. I was not going to be poor. I was not going to be discouraged. I was not going to be fearful. I was not going to be the typical whining believer. Because God said we're not supposed to be. I was the guy that prayed. We had a, we had a theology professor that wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. We had a few like that. And this guy, for whatever reason, I just really, really loved him. Everybody loved him. Professor Balcom. Not Balcom. It was um, B, 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 B. Bauman. Professor Bauman. He was a theology. Do you remember him? And in the middle of theology, I stood up and I said, God is going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to speak with other tongues. This guy is so revered. Everybody loves him. And people said, shut up, Johnson, sit down, shut up, sit down. I said, no, 
I said, God woke me in the night and told me he's going to fill you with the spirit and he's going to do it right now. And as people were telling me to shut up and sit down, he went, I've been asking God to fill me. I don't know how it will happen. I would lose my church. But he said, pray for me. Be filled. Labos speaking in tongues. And they still criticized me. Oh, they still criticized me. A whining woman, bless her heart, Lucille, I loved her. She was one of my friends. She come to church every day, uh, Bible school. My leg hurts so bad. Oh, it was sad. She was a good leg. I'm so hurt. I said, Lucille, God heals you. Oh, I'm so hurt. She liked to be hurt because she got sympathy from everybody. So one day it was my turn to preach. I didn't get to preach very much. That's the last one they ever would let preach. So they let me preach and I was on the platform. I saw Lucille with her crutches and I was preaching on healing. I'm kind of the guy that says, well, if God said it, it's going to happen. What am I going to worry about? It's, I'm not going to heal anybody. And I said, Lucille, get up here right now. God's going to heal you. She said, he's going to heal me. I said, he's going to heal you. So everybody's going, oh, Johnson, here, Johnson again, the faith guy. And uh, she got up on the stage, be healed. Her crush flew up in the air and it hit in the ceiling and it made a hole in the plaster. Made a little hole in the plaster. I didn't know it did at the time, but I heard about it. She jumped off the stage, she was healed, she ran around. She never needed crutches again, God healed her. But wait a minute, I got persecuted for the hole in the ceiling. If that was God, there wouldn't be a little hole in the ceiling. God doesn't wreck his own sanctuary. I mean, huh? Yeah, that was a big hole, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was a big hole. And I mean, people are so petty. People are so petty. They say things like that around the church. Come on, don't, don't, don't chew up, you know, camels and, uh, and you know, chewing, chewing that and spit out a camel. Come on, man. What's the matter with you? They're so worked out. I probably said that backwards, but you know what I mean? Yeah, there you go. I, I want to tell you, Jesus said he'll make you fishers of men. He's going to make you. I mean, I couldn't believe I got the guy filled with the Holy Spirit and everybody's complaining. I'm sitting in a class. True, true is I'm here alive tonight. I'm sitting in a class. We're now in graduate, graduate school. Pastor James is there. My wife is there, I'm there. But it's a, a hundred miles away. We drive a hundred miles to go. And I'm not sure you were in that class, but there was this brilliant uh, psychologist professor. And he was really good at art and, and brother art. And everybody loved Professor Art. And he, yeah, he was a, a Jewish guy with a red afro. And, and, uh, and he was, you know, he was like 50 and we were, you know, we were young. We were 20, 22, 23, 24, 25. And he said, here's the scenario. He teaches us. Somebody say teaches us. Here's the scenario. He says this. He says, now this person has a personality of a woman who is in an affair, but she's married. And she's so hurt and devastated, she cries day and night. And... And then the same person is another personality that's a man. She's got a man personality and he's a very brutal man. And then uh, the third personality 
is this. He's got, it's, a, it's another woman, and it's the first woman's mother. And, and, and this woman's mother and her, and this brutal man, and another guy, her boyfriend, she thinks she's all of these. And he lays out the whole, and I'm just making those up as I go. And he lays out this whole scenario, and people are all into it. They're all, all these are Bible students, and they're all into it, thinking, thinking, what would I do? How would I minister to this person? What would I say? What, what, what would be my counsel to this person? These, this thing really, these things happen. This really does happen in life. And uh, he said, and, and I don't know why he called on me. He said, I'm just sitting at my desk minding my own business. He said, Stephen, what would you say to this, this woman? I said, I'd cast all four demons right out of her in a hot beat, heartbeat. I'd cast the devil right out of her and she'd be set free right there. And his mouth dropped open. And then came all the screaming and the cursing and the yelling at me. And one lady even said, I hope, I hope you die. How could you say that you would cast the devil out of her? I said, because he asked me what I would do and that's exactly what I would do. And she would be free. Somebody say free. Because Jesus came to set you free. And Jesus came and told you to live in the power of his might. He didn't tell you to counsel the devil out. I had, had one of my associates. I had one of my associates and I was down preaching. I was casting devils out. I was praying for people, getting people saved. And up on the platform, there was a door. And uh, you know, they always have the pastor and the assistant pastor's offices in a lot of churches. And this is down in, in Mexico. And um, I hear, ah, ah, what? What? Oh, what? So I go, I go, I go, I go back to the door and open up. There's my, my associate I brought with me on the mission trip. And he has gone to beating this woman on the back. Wham! Oh, wham! Oh, he said, come out of her, Satan. Wham! Oh, get him out of her. Oh, you are. She said, I heard her say, you are hurting me, Senor. You are not getting Diablo out of me. You are hurting me. And I said, come on, man. There's no verse that says beat the devil out of people. We cast the devil out of people. And then for those of you that are very, you know, educated, you don't counsel the devil out of people. You cast the devil out of people. You could counsel the rest of your life and never get people fixed. Somebody said, I need some counseling, marriage counseling. I said, I give mine from the pulpit. I don't counsel in my church. I, I'm, I don't do counseling. My counsel, you got quiet. My, my counsel is right here. If you listen to what I say and you do what I say, you, got, you, you get set free from everything in your life. Counseling doesn't fix people. Jesus fixes people. Name a person Jesus didn't fix when he met. Every single time Jesus set people free. Every single time. Did you know Jesus never healed or set a Christian free? He never healed one Christian in the Bible. Jesus never healed a Christian in the Bible. Jesus didn't heal Christians. He healed people that didn't know God. There were no Christians until he resurrected. His ministry was to the lost. Now we can have his ministry to us. Yes, 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 I'm not saying it's illegal. I'm just telling all those of you who won't even pray for unsaved people, 
you really should reconsider your heart and your life. God wants you to pray for people. As demonized and as horrible as they are, the worse the better, hallelujah. Because he came to set people free and he called you to live in the power of his might. And that only happens if you understand his word and you're filled with his spirit. It only happens when you understand his word and you're filled with his spirit. He gave you his spirit. And chapter seven, verse 37, on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke this concerning the spirit whom the, whom the, who, who those who were believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Holy Spirit is the key to God's power. He gave you the keys to the kingdom. He will build his church. The gates of hell will, will not prevail and he will give you the keys to the kingdom. You are holding the keys right now in your life. If you're a Christian, you are holding the keys. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have been given the keys already. You have the keys that unlock all the doors in life. I want to tell you what happens when you unlock the right door, you get the right thing. God wants you to unlock the door of faith with faith. He wants to, you to unlock the door with the power of the spirit of God. He wants you to heal the sick, to cast out devils. He wants you to make disciples. He wants you to preach the gospel to the poor. And the poor does not mean those economically challenged, though they're included as well. The poor are those that are poor in spirit, that are, that are beaten and that are, that, are, that are downtrodden, that are disappointed, discouraged, disheartened, just like all the people David gathered together to start his kingdom. You need to understand that he called you not to live in failure, but to live in total success. He called you to live high, not low. He called you the head, not the tail. He blessed you when you were going in. He blessed you while you're there and he blessed you coming out. He's blessing you all the time. He, he said, I want to make your name great. He said, I want to make your name great. Your name, not his. He wants to make your name great. And he said, and whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. You don't even have to ask God to do any of that. That's an automatic thing. Somebody say automatic. automatic. You need to understand, you know, I got a call. My wife wanted, wanted a car. She told me to get her a Volkswagen. I said, no, I'm not going to get you a Jetta. She goes, I really love a Jetta. I said, well, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. I said, I'm going to get you, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to get her a Yukon or, you know, like Pastor James, come and get her one of those. Because she wants to haul around the grandkids. And uh, so I went, I went down to the, you know, to the dealer and I saw the car. I said, my wife's not going to drive that car. And so I went down to the other dealer. It was a Mercedes dealer. And it was like, you know, a lot more than I wanted to spend. But it was only 7,000 more than a, a Yukon or a, or a Tahoe. And it's a way better car. And I thought, yeah. I told the guy, I said, I'll be back to buy this car or buy one of these cars off you. His name was... You don't remember? Mo, we called him Mo. I said, Mo, but he was a, his name was Muhammad. He was a Muslim guy. And I said, Mo, I'll be back to buy a car from you. I'll be back when it was time. I had to get a down payment. I had to get a, a better down payment. Took a few months and I made the call. I said, Mo, this is uh, Dr. J, Dr. Johnson. You remember me? And, uh, you know, I ministered to him. I ministered to him. I prayed for him. I, I talked to him. I ministered to him by, by the Spirit when, when he was talking to me about the car. And uh, I said, so I'm leaving this message. He didn't get an answer, but give me a call back. I'm ready to come by that car. And, uh, you know, I, I gave him this really lower price, like almost right at a Yukon or a, or a, a Tahoe, right about there, just a couple thousand more. 
And uh, he said, oh, this, this boss will never do that. I said, well, that's what I, what I want to pay. Oh, this boss will never do that. So Mo calls me back and he says, hey, I need to talk to you right now. He said, we have the exact car that you wanted for your wife. It's just a little station wagon thing. And uh, he said, we have the exact car, but he said, you won't believe what happened. Somebody say, I will believe it. I said, is it good, Mo? And he said, yes. I said, I will believe it. And he said, when you called, I was in a meeting with the owner, Mr. Westlow. Westlow, you know, Mercedes Benz. This guy's got all these dealerships. And he, or Mr. Hohen. And he said, he said, he was in my office and I had it on speaker. And he said, he heard your message. He said, Mo, is this guy for real? He said, yes, sir. And he said, he wanted to, he wanted to pay this much money. And he said, I remember that, uh, that guy. He's the prayer guy. The prayer guy. That's what he called me. The prayer guy because I prayed for people. And uh, he's the prayer guy. And he gave him the car and what he offered. Mo said, I have never sold a Mercedes Benz for less than we have actually ever paid. You are getting this for 2000 less than the dealer paid. And the cheapest owner you've ever seen in your life who has never given anybody anything said, give it to the prayer man. Somebody say favor. Somebody say favor. Give it to the prayer man. Hallelujah. Give it to the, I don't care what you call me, but don't call me late for dinner. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, I've had thing like that happen over and over and whatever it is, something like that's going to happen. But I want to tell you, it's going to start happening to you. And the reason it is, is because you're God's favorite. You have to understand who you are. You're God's favorite. Every one of us is God's favorite. You're God's favorite. He wants to bless you. He's been trying to bless you. If he can get beyond your poor confession, he will bless you. If he can get beyond poor thinking, he will bless you. He wants you to live in the poverty's might. And what that takes is the spirit of God to begin to teach you how to war, to teach your hands how to war, to teach your mouth how to war, to teach your life how to expect. You need to expect God's very, very best. Somebody say the very best. You need to expect God to come through for you. You need to know he's going to come through for you and he will come through for you. I know I gave you more teaching tonight than I gave you. I gave you a couple stories, but I gave you some more teaching. And you need to, you need to listen to this message over and over and over and over again because it will change your life. Somebody say, change my life. He said, Joshua, meditate in the word day and night. The word meditate means to ponder and to mutter at the same time. To ponder and to mutter, to say it out of your mouth. Thank you, Lord, you're my healer. Thank you, Lord, you're my deliverer. Thank you, Lord, you're the one that prospers me. You're the one that cares for my family. Thank you, Lord, that you gave me power. Thank you, Lord.